Eddie puts a new spin on wholesaling. Instead of just doing the traditional cold calling and being one of a dozen other sellers on a listing, he's found a way to utilize private label skills to make wholesaling a viable option for just about any Amazon brand owner. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and I am joined today by Ed, Eddie Levine. How's it going, Eddie? What's up? I'm good. Thanks for asking. appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Yes, yes. Uh, now, I believe, you know, we'll start off. I believe the first time I might have seen you was you were a speaker at... Did, did you ever go... You went to the Midwest conference, right? Um, I forgot what it's called. Something Midwest. It was like in Minnesota, maybe two, three years ago. Yep, I've been uh, pretty. Pri- I try to pick and choose nowadays, but back in you know, a few years ago, I was going every single one of them. So most likely, saw you there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So now, was it at that conference that you first met Jing? Um, no, I actually saw met her first time at Resonate in Atlanta, and then that was, I think, one of, either our second or third conference. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that was actually the first time I had met her, and I had seen you. But for those who don't know what the heck we're talking about, just to show you the other benefit that happens from networking and going to conferences is Eddie now is dating Jing, who was an Amazon seller, and I, I think so. You said you met at you did meet at a conference that one in Atlanta. You said. Yeah. Yeah. So Seller so Labs has their conference resonate in Atlanta. Uh, we met there in 2016. So guys, just think about it. Everybody always says, hey, go to learn about the education, go for the networking, but you might meet your soulmate at one of these events. You have no idea. So <laughs> just another reason to, to put yourself out there when you go to conferences and things. So I said it'll happen when it happens and sure enough, so I won't complain. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. So Eddie, you have been one of the foremost experts and knowledgeable guys as far as selling the wholesale model on Amazon. Now we we have a lot of experienced listeners on the podcast, but we also have, you know, some newer ones who might not understand, well, what do you mean? What does wholesale model on Amazon mean? So can you just briefly explain what the difference between like say somebody's a private label seller or somebody is doing wholesale? So I'll, I'll break it down into three different ways because I think that's the, the easiest way to explain it in, in my experience. So one private label, you are developing, finding, sourcing your own products in your own brand from China or wherever, and then bringing them to market on the Amazon channel or, or whatever channel you're using. Traditional wholesale is when you're going to established brands and then buying their products from them to then resell it on the channel. Uh, wherever your, your marketplace is. Now, what we do, because we're, we've kind of pivoted again from that, is we're into more of the brand management space. So we are buying wholesale. We are buying from existing brands uh, and not developing our own unique products. However, we are doing the, the management piece. So we're doing everything from start to finish, from researching and developing their products in the platform, building out the listings, looking at the keyword data, uh, launching them, you know, effectively ranking them, doing different strategies. So a lot of what we do today in our wholesale model kind of overlaps with private label because we're looking at a lot of the same data in the, in the, in the same kind of uh, space, if you will. Okay, cool. Now, you actually brought up a point that I was going to try and segue to a little bit later, but you know, what you basically said you know, about transitioning and diversifying you know, what you do, I've seen that as a, as a common theme the last uh, year, year and a half, two years, where a lot of people who were just crushing it in wholesale are now kind of pivoting and, and, and trying to expand and, and go a little bit more in the private label route. So what, what are some of the reasons why, why that's the case? Uh, is it because it's 
too competitive now for the wholesale or all the, you know, most companies are just doing their own thing or what's the major reason you think you see behind that? You know, I think it's a mix. So we still do traditional wholesale. I, I, I preface, I, 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 I edit what I say before in, in the sense that we don't, we didn't move hundred percent. We, we, you know, we added it, we added the brand yeah, yeah. Piece of wholesale, but you know, it's what I view it as is it's, there's, there's not enough value add for a regular wholesaler seller just to buy product and then resell. Like what do you, what are you giving back to the brand? Why are they going to work with you over someone else? There's nothing really of value there. From a business perspective, if I want to eventually grow the business and sell it, there's nothing of value. I'm just reselling product. You know, when you're building a brand, you are selling something that you created. When I am offering brand management, I'm creating something. I'm creating a value-based business. So that's really the core reason that I I pivoted, and it also gives us an opportunity to work more exclusively and and you know kind of you know run the show, if you will, and, and really really build something from the ground up or really expand on what they're currently built. You know, from when we start working with them. Yeah, man, absolutely. I do think wholesale, even if somebody for whatever reason just wanted to go ahead and exclusively do that, you know, I know guys who are currently, you know, doing over $50 million on wholesale yearly. So I met one of those at what, what conference was that? Prosper Shaw. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? So how do you, like, let's say, you know, regardless of if somebody wants to do it exclusively or just, you know, supplement their private label income with, with some wholesale, like what's, what's the strategy of how someone could find a product that they would be able to sell under that model? Under the whole, under the wholesale model? I mean, it yeah. really, really comes down to networking. The way I built my business, both on the wholesale side and both on the brand management side is really getting in front of brands. And I don't like the model of calling them or emailing them and, and hoping aimlessly that someone will read your email or, or pick up your voicemail and give you a call back and give you a shot. I really believe in, in getting in front of their face and really you know providing some value. So if you're a private label seller who has experience in the Amazon marketplace, you know, draw up some case studies and draw up some tangible information that you can present to a brand as a reason that they would give you a shot to either represent them or help them with their existing product line. Because again, I go back to my point from before that anyone can sell a product. Anyone can go up to a brand and say, Hey, I want to partner with you. I want to sell your product. I can, I can, I can manage, you know, from A to Z. That that's not hard to, you know, to to present to a brand. What's difficult is to present, you know, factual data, case studies, you know, successes, something in the same market or category, something that's tangible that really sets you apart from the other people in the space. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and that's I think you know something that uh, a lot of wholesale people who were doing wholesale before really weren't doing, you know, a lot of people were just, Hey, let me get this wholesale list. Oh, I can see, I can get 20% profit. I'll just buy it from this company and, you know, use the existing listing, you know, fighting with about 15 other sellers for the buy box, et cetera. But I, I see a, a shift and that's why more like, for example, helium 10 users, people say, Oh no, nah, helium 10 is only for private label sellers. But what a lot, I, I hear a lot of our users are, are doing is what they do is they, they, they present just exactly what you said. Like, Hey, you know, XYZ brand, take a look at the the power of what I can do with Helium 10. I can, you know, make sure your listing gets up in front of way more eyes, not just people looking for your brand, but rather people looking for generic searches. I can optimize your listing. I can basically increase your sales. And so it, it, it's almost, you know, I'm not even sure, like maybe, the, maybe we need to come up with a new name for it because it's not necessarily brand management, like especially if you're still purchasing the inventory, but like if you're given control you know, maybe over their, their brand, uh, on Amazon, even though you're buying it, it's almost like a hybrid wholesale slash brand management thing that you can get going. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're selective with the brands that we pick up. I mean, obviously there's two ways to work this model. I mean, you can do the, 
you can do brand management and not buy any product and just you know keep the keep the product sourcing and the and the shipping part of it and, and the inventory possession in the brand's hands and just offer it as a service based. Um, but what we do in our company is we actually buy the product and inventory it, which you know it, it helps us get a lot more contracts. I feel like because it, it you know it gives us some skin in the game. It shows a brand that we're serious. It gives them some ROI from pretty much day one, um, and it ends up being better for the right partner. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like that's that's how we've been able to grow so much faster over the last few months, especially. Okay, so now he, here's a you know something I know you know people ha- might have the question of. Okay, you might have an agreement with with a bigger brand to to manage their their Amazon listings, and obviously, if you're buying it, you're going to be keeping it at a certain price. But but maybe they're you know some of their product, if it's let's say it's sold at Walmart or sold somewhere else, and it gets into liquidators' hands and whatever the case might be, or maybe they have some other huge distributor who just tries to go direct on Amazon. And and now there's like three, four other companies on that same listing and, you know, price war and they're not, you know, maintaining the map or like, how, how do you protect yourself? Or is there anything that you can do to, to stay relevant? Because, you know, if other people are, are going under you and you have a direct agreement with the manufacturer, you've got to keep the, a certain price what can you do in a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is you really have to have you know a tight distribution control and then really understand who your buyers are. I mean, that's that's the short and easier answer, but unfortunately, that's not the you know the way that things work. Um, I would say that I'm not threatened as much by other sellers because the majority of my um, brands know who they're selling to. They really properly vet them. We we give them a list of questions to ask all their buyers to really understand more about their business and, and try to weed out those people who are claiming they're not going to sell online, but then end up selling online anyway. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a uh, channel enforcement tools and companies that we, that we've used and we partner with before for brands that need it. Uh, you know, if, if we need to figure out who sellers are or, or really, or, or really police the channel. But honestly, I think my biggest struggle is from the retail brick and mortar side, because when brands sell to other, you know, large retailers, like you mentioned before, for example, Target, Walmart, uh, those big box stores, Amazon has, has, proprietary systems in place that not only if you do, I don't have to be selling on, as a first party merchant. I, you know, even, even if I'm selling third party, like, like we do for our brands, they're looking at price points of the same product across all channels. So if Walmart is going to come in with that same product and mark it down or use it as a loss leader or whatever the case may be, it can impact the ability for us to get the buy box on the listing. So then we have to work, you know, strategically with our vendors to figure out, Hey, can we get them to honor your closer to your map pricing? Do we have to develop products that are more exclusive to Amazon? Can we make a bundle, something unique? There's there's out of the box ways to think about it, but that's I would say is the the thing that we deal with more often on a day to day basis is is just kind of combating the major retailers. Yeah, that's definitely something uh, I found working. You know, before I was working here at Helium Ten, I was a sales manager for a large diet pill company, and you know they they sold products in in Walmart and things, and and it would be online, and and Amazon is actively scraping those websites and, you know, checking what the prices, you know, what the prices are. And sometimes even if it would be like, you know, if they would drop their price by 10 cents compared to Amazon, like buy box would be gone. Not, not that somebody else would have the buy box. If there would be no buy box, you would have to click on that other thing. It, it made it look like the listing was out of stock and sales would just tank when that happens. And that's the killer because you know, and, and most of your users know that when the buy box is suppressed and you have no, nothing showing there, it, you can't run ads. So that's, that's the killer right there. Yeah, no, no sponsored ads, and, and then anybody going browsing there, it looks like it's out of stock, so they just say, "Oh, I'm, I'll just go to something else." So I believe that there is a new, you know, just like the brand analytics just came out, there is a new part of that 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 actually is now displaying 
the, the competitive pricing. Have you heard about that or do you know what that's called? Yeah, I, I've seen it. It's in our account. Uh, I, it's relatively new, so I don't have it right for me, unfortunately. But um, I, I, my experience with that tool so far, and I'm sure it'll get better, is that it's not obviously it's not picking up all the products that we have. So it's you know it's hit and miss if it's even showing you what I need to see in the first place. Um, but I mean, if that's something that's going to continue to get enhanced and, and, and roll out you know, even more and more, that's obviously going to be very helpful because if, it, if they can identify exactly what the price point is, you then probably have a much easier chance of figuring out who the retailer is because then you know what you could probably figure out who they're looking at. Um, and it just gives you an idea of, hey, can I, can I match that price? Can I, can I, can I beat it? Is, is that something I can compete with? Or do I have to go back to the, to the brand or to, if, if you're a brand yourself, do, you know, do, do I have to figure out what my next step is? Is it, is it, is it, is it something I can play with or not? Um, it just gives you a little bit more of an indication on, on, on what your next step should be. Yeah. And then, you know, now we did talk about other products being on other marketplaces, such as, such as Target, Walmart, et cetera. What about you and part of your services or, or any of your, your students who, who have gone to, you know, start wholesale relationships with companies and, and managing their brand? Do you guys ever help them expand to some of these other online marketplaces themselves? Yeah. So our company right now, we operate on over two dozen channels. So both domestically and internationally. So, you know, all the, all the domestic channels, all the international channels, you know, Amazon has their U S channel, but they have UK, Australia, now UAE and Japan and all these places, Canada, Mexico, but you know, we're, we're also doing, you know, eBay, jet, Walmart, uh, Rakuten, Groupon, like pretty much you name it, we've been on those, those channels. And I, and I feel, and, and my experience has shown me that being able to diversify, not only it provides you a better safety net, but it gives you more value when you're trying to approach brands as, as we do as, as value added wholesalers, because again, it goes back to, well, Amazon is obviously the bread and butter and it's, it's what everyone's focusing on, but I want to provide something of value or something different. And if I can give them that Amazon piece alongside these other things that people aren't pitching every single day, it, it sets me apart. So I have to figure out ways that or things that to do that people aren't doing day in and day out that brands aren't sick and tired of hearing. Yeah. So what would you say, you know, not considering the Amazon different country marketplaces, what is the biggest, you know, revenue generating marketplace outside of the Amazon infrastructure? Um, I like Groupon because I feel like it's a way to move inventory at a, at a higher volume quicker. Um, Groupon is a challenging one to work with. You need to have the right contacts in their in their company to get an invite to be a vendor. Um, a lot of products they don't want to uh, get their hands on. They want you to drop ship, so you're fulfilling individual orders, which is you know obviously polar opposite of FBA. So you have to have the network set up. You know, a lot of sellers are are seeing the writing on the wall now that Amazon is not doesn't want to be used as a storage house. Um, and, and that was really conveyed to me even more and more yesterday when I visited um, one of their FCs. But um, it, it's becoming a paramount for sellers to really control their inventory and really either have it on hand themselves or have a, a third-party provider that can do it for them. Because, you know, honestly, I've made a couple of predictions about this and I, I think that it's going to uh, be more and more prevalent, you know, later this year and into 2020 that you really have to not rely on Amazon to be your storage house. And you really, and I think that, that um, storage fees in general, the cost of doing business at, you know, an FBA, I think my prediction is that you'll see that um, kind of on a sliding scale sooner than later, based on how well you're managing your inventory. Ah, interesting. So Groupon, I think that's, that, that would be a surprise that most people would have thought maybe Walmart or Jed or eBay or something, but 
I have heard of, of Groupon and being as a source, you know, most people, old school people just think of Groupon as the, you know, like couple day deals or, Hey, let's all jump in and get some Zumba classes or something. But like Groupon as a marketplace for, for products is definitely growing. Would you say it's the fastest growing or are there any, even, even ones that are way down the list, but like when you start looking at the numbers month to month, you're like, wow, this marketplace is really coming up. Is there anything like that out there? You know, I think they all have their pros and cons. It really depends on the products you have. You know, we, our core categories are toys and games, housewares, lawn and garden, pet, baby, those kinds of things. So those have a lot of items that people are searching for on a daily basis and you can really move a lot of volume. But if you're more specialized or if you're looking for, if you're selling a product, if you're a brand owner, or if you're, if you're trying to source products uh, from brands that, you know, have a, a smaller niche, you know, certain websites are going to um, outperform others. I mean, there's, there's a brand that we represent that has a really, really, really focused type of product. It's, it's, it's for home improvement. And actually they do out of all the sites that we list them on, they do the best on uh, doing it on their self with their Etsy store. Which, which is amazing because they actually do a significant volume on Amazon, but their Etsy store, because it's, because it's more of a caters to those, you know, those crafty type people, they, they blow it out of the water. It's amazing. Wow. That's interesting too. Yeah. Etsy, I forgot even to mention that, but what, what about though, going back to, you know, to, to the wholesale or going back, you had said that, yeah, you know, networking obviously is important, uh, you know, probably going to conferences or, or shows like the, the ASD show, you know, you might be able to find people, but let's say there's somebody, you know, who is a stay at home dad or stay at home mom. And, and they're there in Florida, you know, they can't really get out to these places. They don't have that great of a network from their house. Is it possible to still go and search for companies who might be open to a wholesale uh, arrangement for, for Amazon? You know, is it possible? Yes, of course. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that if you can't spend the money and time to go out and get in front of a brand face to face, that you're not going to be successful because that would just be you know, total nonsense. But at the same time, you have to understand who you're dealing with is if, if you're the person who's going to be behind a desk at their house, you have to rely on basically your experience and your confidence and your charm to really win someone over. And I feel that that falls short when you are competing with people who are getting out there face to face and looking someone in the eye and shaking their hand and building that trust relationship. Because as you all know, I mean, when you're talking to someone on the phone, first impressions can often be incorrect or wrong or not be as as uh, promising as if you were to meet someone face to face. So that's why I like that interaction face to face because I know that's what my competition is doing, and I like to be able to build that relationship and really know who I'm talking to. Okay, now just to give some people some you know some hope, uh, maybe somebody you've helped to to start you know kind of working on this kind of business model. You know, you don't have to mention any names or what niche they're in, but are there any you know success stories that you can share with us all like, hey, here's a person who came to us and hadn't really had much experience and then they did this and this and now they're doing this and this. Yeah, so there was a there was actually a company that we picked up in the housewares category about uh we picked them up, let's see, late 2017. We started with them and they were doing their sales on the Amazon platform were about 20, 20, 20, 30, 20 to 30,000 a year. Um, listed about 15 SKUs on the platform. And this is, this will now be our second year once we get through 2019 with them. And um, they're up to about 90 SKUs on the platform right now. Um, it's still all, all in one category. And they're forecasted right now this year to do just north of four and a half million on the platform. Wow, that's crazy. So like, how, how does that work out for you guys then like what what 
you know, people are, you know, let's say they do network, they do go to the conferences, they, they, they land a client, like what's the framework of an, a relationship or an agreement? Like how, how is it based? Is it on commission? No, you had mentioned purchasing obviously is one, but what are some of the different uh, agreements that people can come to for this kind of model? That's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, you can really craft it to be any type any way you're more comfortable with. I mean, it, your, your agreement really should be flexible based on the brand you're dealing with because I found in my experience that one set agreement doesn't work for every single brand. So the ability to be flexible and adapt is, is of most important. Um, but I'll tell you that, you know, not, it's really, it's really going to be important that you have an agreement in place with the brand that you're talking to and, and make sure that what, what everyone's responsibilities are and what the what the costs are involved are all spelled out because you don't want to have surprises in the you know later later on that you know neither one of you can can absorb so it can be you know in our business we obviously are buying the inventory and we're selling it out and the profitability on that inventory is is ours to keep but you know if, you, if you're not buying the inventory you can do a commission based you can do a, you know a percentage of growth based if they're already existing brand um you've got to figure out who's going to pay the advertising cost are you going to pay it are they going to pay it are you going to split it um, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces and, and who's going to set, who's going to pay for the, the research time and the, the, the listing setup and, and basically the, all the hard work that goes in from the start, you know, that's, that's a, that's a time and, and, and monetary commitment because you're, you're putting someone's effort into that. So, um, we like to spell out those pieces to, uh, you know, to all of our brands ahead of time after we've done the initial brand evaluation to figure out what makes sense, you know, the most, both for us and the brand owner that we can work cohesively together and both of us are actually, you know, remain profitable for the long haul. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, is there, is there one that you suggest that people try and start with that you think uh, usually works the best uh, overall, as long as all parties are agreeable to it? I, I find that a, a, a percentage of a rev share is okay. So long as it's not, you know, egregious and just way over the top at the end of the day, I feel that a percentage, a rev, a rev share percentage is, is a best value for both you and the brand because it, it rewards you for doing the work and it rewards you for growing the brand and, and taking them from whatever level they're at currently to whatever level you grow them to. But it also um, rewards them because it gives them, you know, more brand exposure and their, and their brand gets to be larger and larger in the platform and they're able to, to sell more and more inventory. So really their, their expense is not um, focused on a, on a set dollar amount per month that they may not be able to afford. And instead, um, they're, they're, the, the amount they're spending out per month really is dependent on, on how well you do as a partner. And so, you know, without, without you really holding up your end of the bargain, you're not going to get paid and they're not going to have a huge expense. So it's kind of a win-win all around in my personal opinion. Yeah. So that, I mean, that, that to me would be, if one can come to some kind of agreement like that, it'd be the best for, you know, um, the person who's interested in this model because it lessens their, you know, it doesn't need a, a big investment. You know, like if you're a private label seller, you got to go maybe buy 5,000 units of a product that costs 10 bucks each and, and you're 50,000 in the hole before you even sold the product. So obviously that would be a benefit, but what are some of the, the negatives or what are some of the dangers or things that maybe you think sellers should be aware of that you've seen happen to yourself or, or people you know, or what can you say that will help may hopefully keep some from making mistakes that you've seen? Well, two things. I think the the number one thing that comes to my mind is you've got to you've got to understand what the what the requirements are going to be for advertising and 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 know who's going to cover that because you know depending on what product you're selling and depending what your A cost is going to be, you might have to you probably going to have to dump thousands of dollars in, in the, the advertising side of it. And if neither one of you understand what that's going to cost or have agreed to who's going to pay for it or how you're going to split it up, it, it can stop you right in your tracks. 
Um, and number two is really understanding what the margins are that both you and the brand owner have for the specific product line or category that you're that you're operating in. Because if you go and pitch a brand, you know, a rev share agreement, and you're looking for let's just let's just for simple sake, you say I have a ten percent rev share. I mean, that's not to say that that's what you would use, but hypothetically, that's what you that's what you asked for. Well, if they are operating on thin margins, that could be a potential deal killer, you know, whereas if they are operating on higher margins or have the ability to be more flexible, that might be something that they're more willing to entertain. But again, it really depends on the brand owner because I can't, you know, a lot of brands would would balk at me if I, you know, if I didn't offer a a rev share that kind of held my feet to the fire. Uh, Because if I demanded, for example, $5,000 or $8,000 a month just to manage that brand every single month, well, if they sign off on that and I didn't grow the business, I'm getting paid all this money and they're not seeing their business grow. How is that of value to them? You know what I'm saying? So I like, no matter what model you choose, I like a model that requires you to follow through on your commitments and rewards both of both your, both the brand owner and yourself for doing the work and and growing it, you know, from, from here on out. Okay. One thing I think I've gotten from this conversation that I really didn't think about too much, you know, before was, you know, there could be people, who, who are just starting off, uh, of course, and, and they might think that, hey, this is a great model that I that I can get to. But for those who are out there who are private label sellers and, and maybe crushing it on private label, they shouldn't discount this model because that actually helps them, you know, show what they can do and say, hey, here's my own brand that I've grown. How would you like me to, you know, take what I know about how things work on Amazon that obviously works and help your brand. So it's 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 a way that private label sellers can can kind of scale their business without even having to scale their brand. Really, there, there's so much potential here, and I, I gotta stress that this is not traditional wholesale. When you're just a reseller and you don't have to worry about ads, and you're, you're just you're popping on the listing with other people. I mean, that's that's a version of wholesale. But this, what I'm referring to when I've been talking to you about for the for the most of this conversation is really using your private label skill set because there is so much overlap when you're doing brand management or partnering with someone to run their brand versus when you're doing private label on your, on your own. I mean, we, we essentially use the same tools and look at the same exact data as someone who's doing private label for their own brand. It's, if you are doing well with private label or if that's the model that you're focusing on or that's, that's the one you want to grow with, this is absolutely an, an, an area that you can either explore or use as an additive or supplement, supplemental income. It's, you're, you're really looking at a lot of the same data. You know, what, what, one last thing I wanted to ask, you know, is there anything that maybe you want to warn people about like, hey, you know, I know there's people who are suggesting this or this about wholesale, but probably shouldn't follow it. Yeah. So I, I, I would say, you know, people always are excited about the ability to, you know, add a, a potential, add, you know, add brand management or add a, a client to the portfolio or add a, you know, existing line or build a brand or whatever the case may be. I would say the biggest thing that I have to caution people on pretty much all the time is don't, don't, don't run before you walk, right? Um, don't go up to a brand owner and say, Hey, I want the exclusive on your line. I want to be the only seller. I want to do this all myself. And that's it. You have to earn that, right? You have to show them what you're able to do. And that's why I started this call with having those case studies and having, you know, proof that you are, able to do exactly what you're describing to them is, is paramount because they're, they're at the end of the day, you're competing for their business with a ton of other people who are looking to sell their product. They might not do it as well as you, and they might not be looking, you know, pitching the whole brand management piece, but they're getting pitched all the time on, on, on this similar type of method. So whether you are, are you know, show them some case studies, show them some, that you have some experience, show them, give them something tangible, and then maybe go into them and, and ask them for, 
you know, a set number of products or, you know, to, to section off a portion of their line that you can start with first and then grow into the other portion. Don't go in there and expect, you know, them to give you the world when you are so new to them and you haven't proven anything yet, you know, build up to that and take your time. All right. That's great advice. Thank you very much, Eddie, for coming on now. There's so much more that we would want to be able to talk about here. But for those who still have questions, how can they reach you or get more information on what you do? Yeah. So Facebook group that you can join is Wholesale Breakthrough, all spelled out. And then if you want to email me, you could do that as well. Eddie at wholesalebreakthrough.com. All right, Eddie, thanks a lot for joining us. And I'll be seeing you at one of these conferences. And let's play some matchmaker for some of these other people out there and help them find their soulmates too, huh? Sounds good. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot.